Well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, I, I, you know, we're back with Victorious Friday. And as I always say, we have an amazing guest. Uh, today I have with me someone I'm going to introduce you is very special. She's got a topic that I think we're all going to be interested in. Well, let's start with a question. What makes a great sex life for married couples? And really for people in general, but married couples is what we focus on. And so as we talk about this, I'm going to introduce you to someone who's an expert in this category and done a great deal of research and knowledge and have written an amazing new book, God, Sex, and Your Marriage by Dr. Julie Slattery. Dr. Julie Slattery, welcome to Victorious Friday. So good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is a pleasure to have you here. Well, of course, I have to embarrass you just for a moment. Uh, you know, some people sent in this amazing bio, so I at least have to give it a shot and, <laughs> and just kind of give it a little bit of a talk. So as I think about how Dr. Julie Slattery is a clinical psychologist, author, and co-founder of Authentic Intimacy, it's a ministry dedicated to reclaiming God's design for sexuality. I mean, right there, I can just stop, pause, and say amen. Uh, it is such a pleasure. And I look at this and, and as I, I know you speak, I know that you've hosted podcasts and so many other things. I know that you've launched sexual discipleship. I would want to get into that and talk deeply because I, I, I love this topic of discipleship, which is making and training of disciples. That's how I look at discipleship. And we want to dive deep into that. Uh, of course, you have an online platform to equip uh, Christian leaders. Uh, for gospel-centered conversations about sexual issues. You've authored 12 books, uh, is what I have, including Rethinking Sexuality, uh, Passion Pursuit, and Sex and the Single Girl. <laughs> While wow, these are topics that I'm sure we're all interested in. And I know that you and your husband, that you've been married for 28 years and three amazing boys, uh, I don't know if that girl is just escaped, but I mean, it's three boys. You all, you're halfway there to a basketball team. Yeah. Uh, but when I look at it, you're from a place where I used to live near it, Akron, Ohio. I was spent some time in South Euclid, Ohio, as we were sharing. And uh, man, it's just on and on, just amazing things. And so we want to welcome you today. Uh, let's start off with a question. Uh, what, uh, as you think about, I want to start earlier on before we jump into some of the material. Tell us about the early years of your life growing up. Yeah, uh, well, I was born and raised right here in Akron, Ohio, and my parents uh, came to know Jesus as their savior when I was just a year old, and that transformed their lives. I'm one of six children, and, uh, and so my memory is growing up with a big family, my parents uh, wanting to know everything they could about God and um, opening our home to Bible studies and college groups. And it was kind of a fun, crazy, chaotic childhood. Uh, and so I have roots that go very deep and just knowing the Lord at a young age. And then as a teenager and young adult, really wanting to find uh, my path to serve him and uh, always loved just the integration of scripture with daily life and uh, the field of psychology was a good fit for me. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of my early years and how that yeah. set me up for what yeah. God has for me to do today. That's fantastic. Now, where were you on that, in that one to six, where were you? 
Yeah, I was number five. Oh, so, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, so uh, yeah. so I feel like I I learned to be a psychologist by just watching all my siblings. <laughs> you survived. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You survived. Uh, you know, yes. I'm one of four. Well, now it's five because well, my youngest sister came 13 years later. So kind of uh-huh. four of us grew up together uh, in Chicago, Illinois, where we were raised. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were always into something. It was three boys and, and a girl, and the girl thought she was a boy at some time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was just as tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she yeah. had to be, right, she just did. to survive. Yeah. Uh, but I was the baby for a while, so I think I got special treatment. Uh, they they yeah. were probably tired by then, yeah. you know. So number five, I, I think we kind of share somewhere around uh, those yeah. same experiences, mm-hmm. right? right? Well, let's let's jump right in because you know, it's Victoria's family podcast. Uh, what we talk and what we help is families to flourish, mm-hmm. and of course, an area that is always a challenge um, uh, that we talk about, and sometimes you know we don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. is our sex life uh, mm-hmm. and sex and marriage and the role that it plays. Uh, talk to me about the passion that kind of moved you to write this book and many books that you've written. Yeah, so um, so the first couple decades of ministry were more generic. I had a counseling practice and uh, just helping people navigate marriage and family issues, life issues. I, the Lord took us out to Colorado Springs for a while where I served at Focus on the Family uh, at part of their broadcast team and just a voice for women. And it was during that season and around, let's see, around 2011 or so that it was like the Lord was very specifically calling me to address sexual sexuality, sexual brokenness, just sexual wholeness. And so that was a real journey for me with God, just sensing that call on my life. So I left focus and started this ministry, Authentic Intimacy, 10 years ago. And, um, and it's just, it was just a being obedient to what God was asking me to do. And if you can imagine over the last 10 years, talking about this issue has been a challenge, um, but also very rewarding just to be able to help people make sense of God and sex and how that applies to the different struggles and questions that they're encountering in their own life or in ministry. Um, so yeah, so I just tell people I'm not bored. Uh, you know, my, <laughs> my heart ultimately is to bring people to know Jesus more uh, and often the pain point for them where they're really wrestling yeah. uh, is around sexuality. So I think if we avoid those pain points, we never get the opportunity to really help mm-hmm. people understand where God is in the midst of the, that pain or that struggle or those questions. Oh, that's so good. You know, but Dr. Julie, you know, when I think about it, many Christian books, I mean, they talk about you know, sexual issues mm-hmm. and, and uh, which broader, you know, with broader works on marriage and things like that, but few resources really comprehensively and biblically uh, guide us through and couples through this, the sexual, uh, you know, intimacy conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, how, you know, we, we try to figure out how to navigate, you know, yeah. how to yeah. navigate these, the sea and in, in marriage. And, we, you know, for some of us, we, we, yeah, we don't know what to do. We've never been taught. And yeah. so what do we do? Right. And so it's kind of tricky, <laughs> right? It is. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think, um, you know, this is one of those topics that I've learned really does require a high degree of expertise. Mm-hmm. And so even me, uh, having been trained in psychology and being a counselor, like I look back to where I was 10, 15 years ago before I started this ministry, and I could give some counselor advice, but I couldn't go deep. 
And so uh, the fact that God has just called me to spend a decade literally just studying this topic from a biblical perspective and a marriage perspective and a psychological perspective, um, you know, it gives me the chance to help people in a way that most people just don't have the time uh, to be equipped to do. So it is a very, very complicated topic, whether you're talking about its application to marriage or culture or parenting. Um, so, and, it, and it's important to God. So it's important that we have his perspective. All right. So I'm excited. Let's, let's jump in here and let's talk about God, sex and your marriage, right? New book. Okay. When is the book coming? Has it already out? It's already out. It's been out for a few weeks now. Okay. Uh-huh. And how, and of course you have to tell us, you know, how we're going to get a copy and we'll repeat that at the end for <laughs> sure. our listeners. So we'll make sure how do we get a copy? What's the uh, URL or what's the website, et cetera. Yeah, you know, I think you can pretty much get a copy at any, any online bookstore, okay. which is what most people do, but we have it available at our website, authenticnmc.com as well. Fantastic. So jump on. I always say to my listeners, don't buy one copy, buy 10, because you want to give nine copies to your best friends, right? So, <laughs> uh, so that's why I advise uh, the one copy is great. Get your copy, but get nine more and give those away. Well, let's jump right in. Let's talk about your book, God's Sex and your marriage. Uh, Give me a quick summary first, and then we'll dive into some very specific things. Yeah, so I I think the few books that we have from a Christian perspective on sexuality and marriage are very much kind of problem-solving type books. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are books like, how do you address pornography in your marriage, or uh, understanding the anatomy or even understanding the Bible verses as they apply to your sex life. And I think there's some great resources out there. But the reason that I really wanted to write this book is because I think the missing piece for a lot of couples is they don't even understand the purpose of sex and marriage. And uh, and so this book really is a roadmap for couples to say, hey, let's even look at the framework from which we're thinking about sex, because that most likely is skewed. And I can tell you from my experience in marriage, even though I had a great Christian background and a lot of training in psychology, my perspective of what sex was supposed to look like in marriage was skewed. Uh, And I've found this to be true of almost every other couple. And so the book really provides this framework. And I use the metaphor of a puzzle, like a jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. That if you don't know the picture that you're creating with all those pieces, you can't put the puzzle together. And, uh, and so the book really lays out, here are some of the wrong pictures that people try to put together and why it doesn't work. But here's what the Bible actually says the picture is supposed to look like. And then the book makes that very practical by addressing four specific aspects of what God designed sex to look like within our marriages. Okay. Well, let's jump right into those four aspects. Uh, yeah. Uh, walk us through. Uh, maybe yeah. we'll take a couple of them and we'll talk about them a little bit and then dive into the other two. Sure. So the picture on that you're supposed to be creating, this is what really sets up the four pillars of a great sex life. Um, so the picture, and for some people, they're going to have to really think about this, but it, you are actually supposed to be creating a sex life that resembles the way that God loves his covenant people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that Jesus loves the church. And this is the larger message of sexuality throughout the Bible, that God created sex to be a physical illustration of how he loves his covenant people. 
and so I, I explain that in the book. You can see where I'm coming from biblically in the book. I won't take the time uh, to get into detail of that right now, but that is the framework we need to be working towards. And so we have to ask the question, okay, well, what does God's love look like then? And, uh, and the four pillars that I talk about in the book that are direct correlations to God's love is first of all, our covenant with God is based on a, a foundation of faithfulness. It's all about God's character that we can trust him in the same way we need to begin starting with faithfulness in our sexual relationship and marriage. The second pillar is intimate knowing that God created us for covenant so that we might have an intimate relationship with him. And if you have a relationship with God, it should be an increasing intimacy over the years. You don't stay stuck. And the same is true with sexual intimacy, that the goal is not what your bodies are doing. The goal is how you're becoming one in every way, even through the challenges that, that many encounter in their sex life. The third pillar is that covenant love requires an element of self-giving or sacrificial love, that Jesus's love for us meant him laying down his life for us. And we see that when marriage is discussed, we're called to lay down our lives for each other. And so what, why would that not be true in the sexual relationship that a great sex life will mean that both the husband and wife exercise self-denial and sacrificial love in order to minister sexually to the other person. And then the fourth element or pillar of covenant love is passionate celebration. So, um, you know, we're commanded as God's people to regularly gather together just to celebrate our love for him, to sing praise to him, to worship him in all seasons. And in the same way, a married couple is told to regularly celebrate their love for one another. And God has given us the vehicle to do that through sexual intimacy. So those are the four pillars that I talk about throughout the book and how those four pillars are really a lifelong journey to work on. It's not a one and done. It's growing in, in maturity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you think about our life and we are to continue to grow as a process, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when I think about your four pillars, um, what came to mind, you know, in this counterculture is how, you know, the tensions uh, mm -hmm. that could really come about as a result of, you know, man, our understanding of, of the intimacy, our understanding of, of God's faithfulness and so forth and so on. What tensions, uh, how would you describe, you know, some of these tensions that's in our culture today that's counter to your four principles that, that you just spoke on? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, uh, most people that claim to know God really don't know God. Mm. Um, and so if we're trying to build marriage and sexuality off of a relationship with God and the average person that says, well, I go to church, doesn't really know God. Hey, that's, that's a disconnect. And I think to make it even more difficult, even the idea of our sex life, having something to do with reflecting God's love is a weird concept for most people because we've been trained over time that God and sex don't mix that um, your know, sex is very personal it, for many of us it's laced with shame mm -hmm. and God is very holy and uh, and so to bring this aspect of our life to God feels weird like when I ask uh, couples do you ever pray together about your sex life mm -hmm. very few of them will say yes and I'm like, do you pray together about your finances? Yes. You play, pray together about your parenting? Yes. Uh, you, you pray about everything together. Why not this? And they're like, I don't know. We never thought about it. Like, yeah. 
we just never think that God wants to be involved in this area of our life and in our marriage. Uh, and then there's other things that really skew our perspective of sexuality, including pornography, um, just the cultural view that sex is all about personal pleasure and identity expression. That, that, that's not a biblical framework. And then you add on to that some of the teaching in the church over the years that has felt very legalistic. There's a lot mm -hmm. of conversation today about the purity culture and how that has hurt people. And so I think we're at a time now where, uh, where we are more confused about God and sex than we've ever been. And so there's a lot of untangling before we can even begin to grasp what is true. Yeah, yeah. Man, I was just, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, I'm sitting here, I'm, yeah, I'm, I pray, I'm praying with my right. In fact, you know, uh, what we started to do is each Friday, my wife and I, uh, is to pray with one another. We used to obviously mm -hmm. pray as individuals and maybe even pray for the family, et cetera. Uh, but there is a really a shift and a dynamic change when you're praying together. Um, and, and, and for many years, I, I don't understand why I, we didn't do it, right? It's probably mm -hmm. because I didn't think about it. But one of the things we've never done is, is, is pray around our sex life and our intimacy. In fact, she probably would think I had some ulterior motives. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So you're going to have to help me with that. I would say, yeah. I'm, I'm going to use, hey, Dr. Julie Slatter, Slatter said, hey, we need to pray about our sex, sex, sex yeah. life. Uh, maybe that'll, that'll get, 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 her, get her going. And <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> she would accuse me of these alternative motives. Yeah. Um, but, but prayer is so important uh, in all of our life, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And when you think about sexuality, it is under such spiritual attack, yes, not just yeah. in our world, but also in our marriages. Yes. So why do we think we can fight a, a spiritual battle without inviting God into it? Mm -hmm. uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, and even when you say, my wife might think I have ulterior motives, like it's, it's that we don't even know what it looks like to invite him in, because yes. part of inviting yeah. him in is help us to be sensitive to each other, yeah. uh, like help help me as a husband to know how to love my wife well in this area and help mm -hmm. me as a wife to know how to love my husband well in this area. Help us uh, to have a little level of honesty and communication and grace with each other that honors you, God, uh, keep our thoughts pure. And so those kinds of prayer, they hit, all, they hit both of us, whether you're the man or the woman. Um, and that's the kind of help that we need. And that's so important what you just mentioned, you know, many of our prayers are self-centered yeah and and what i hear you proposing which should be our prayer life is really god focused and christ-centered and and mission it's not about us it's about glorifying yeah. him but he works in and through us and he's moving in a mighty way through his spirit uh in us and and as we're praying in in a different way we then begin to see a different outcome right and and that's what i'm hearing you say yeah uh which is powerful yeah. Yeah. yeah God, I love God that. Is, yeah. God is very concerned about our hearts. You know, mm -hmm. he, he cares more about your love life than your sex life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so how might he use the sexual relationship to, to deepen your love for each other, to show you uh, what it is to love like he loves. Yeah. Uh, and that's when things start to really get transformed. Well, today we're talking with Dr. Julie Slattery and she's talking about God, sex, and your marriage. Um, just some powerful uh, uh, points so far that she's made. And the question is, is your love life mediocre? 
and when we think about that question, we think sometime of the physical act of love. Uh, but here it's much deeper. Uh, we've talked about a covenant relationship. We talked about an intimacy. We talked about praying with one another uh, for that because that intimacy uh, we're not able to to really uh, bring for it's it's the spirit within us that has to move in such a powerful way. Uh, man, Doctor, I tell you, uh, Doctor Julie, I am thinking about my love life right now. I'm thinking about being married, you know, 40 years uh, to my college sweetheart. Mm. And I'm thinking about the shortcomings, uh, even in our own life. We love Jesus. We walk with the Lord. Our kids understand that. But to the degree we demonstrate that, we're also training our children uh, what this intimacy look like. And I'm so thankful for your message today. Talk to me about... Um, when you look at intimacy, when you, you mention things, and sometimes shame, it sabotages our hope. Mm -hmm. uh, it sabotages our intimacy. Uh, talk to us a little bit more around that. Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, I think for an awful lot of people, the topic of sexuality immediately brings up feelings of shame. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've come to the conclusion over the last decade that we're all sexually broken. Uh, it's not just the person who was promiscuous growing up. It's not just the person who experienced sexual trauma. Uh, it's not just the person who experienced a betrayal. Those are forms of sexual brokenness and uh, in deep forms. But, but I think also it's for the person who is following the rules, but really doesn't understand the fullness of what intimacy is. Uh, and, and so our brokenness makes us want to hide. Uh, and very few couples can get to the level of intimacy where they can share uh, their shame with each other. Yeah, like, that's good. like confess their sins, uh, mm -hmm. confess their struggles, uh, you know, not have these secrets or not even just not even just the sins, but their desires. Mm -hmm. So in many marriages, there is this silent dance they've set up or one mm -hmm. pursues the other is avoiding and they both feel shame about it mm -hmm. but they never know how to say hey you know like we're just different how do we ask god to teach us to love each other well through these differences how do how can we be sensitive to each other yeah. uh, how can we help one another to grow mm -hmm. uh, in our in our sexual maturity and steward this in a way that is honoring to god and reflective of his love and so um, when we begin to have those kinds of conversations, we're bringing shame into the light, which is why it's so important to also be prayerful because God is the one that removes shame. Mm -hmm. When we confess our sins, when we can come out of hiding and bring it, bring it before him, like he cleanses us from unrighteousness. He says, there's now no condemnation for you. And then he yes. frees us to really enjoy this gift that he's given, which is a great gift. Yeah. But for the vast majority of couples, it is buried by so much resentment, shame, expectations that weren't met, that they just give up on it instead of really asking God to begin redeeming it. Yeah, that is so good. You know, I was looking at one of the questions in your book. It says, what if you have a different sexual desire than your spouse? Yeah. Um, you know, talk to us about that, because that obviously can bring uh, some tensions. Uh, yeah. in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So not only what if, but you probably do. So mm -hmm. 
you know, I think it's probably only about 20 to 25% of couples who would say, yeah, we're pretty compatible in terms of sexual desire. So the vast majority of couples are going to have a disconnect. And it's not always the man who desires sex more often. Men have more testosterone than women. So they tend to experience more of a physical urgency to want sex. But in about 20% of marriages, a woman has a higher desire than her husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know, it begins with just that realization that we got married and we're sexually incompatible. That's the way it goes. And then also realizing that I think sexual incompatibility is actually part of the gift of sex. Because if you could get your desires met anytime you want, any way you want by your spouse, you would never have to learn to love each other. Mm. And God's desire is that we become great lovers. His desire is that we're on a journey of intimacy where we're talking and sharing and we're yielding for one another. Uh, So the person with a higher desire is saying, I'm not going to demand sex from you. Like, I want this to be something that you enjoy. What can Mm. I do uh, to make this something that you look forward to? Does it mean delaying it until tomorrow when you have more time to rest? Does it mean communicating? Does it mean working with you through some healing? And the person with the lower sexual desire is saying, I want, I really want this to be a blessing to you. Like, I don't want you to feel like you have to beg me for sex. Uh, Like, how do I minister to you? Uh, And when we have that perspective, it really changes everything. It changes the entire dynamic. That's so good. Well, I want to quickly get into some application. Um, I mean, because amazing principles and based on, on, on these principles and truth that you shared, you know, what are some, and you just mentioned one right there, but what are some real practical applications uh, that we can put out here to encourage couples uh, to apply that allows that intimacy, that allows that that type of relationship uh, Mm -hmm. that he desires uh, for our marriage? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, as I mentioned, praying together is a huge first step. Mm -hmm. And you don't even have to know what to say, just God help us, you can start there. But, yeah. but I think another one is learning to talk about sex together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our whole culture is talking about sex, but the average married couple doesn't know how to communicate at this kind of level that we're that I'm alluding to. Mm-hmm. And so a great first step for that is to actually get a book like God's Sex in Your Marriage. There's other great resources as well, mm-hmm. but read it out loud to each other. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say read it out loud to each other is because you're practicing saying things that you're probably not comfortable saying, mm-hmm. and uh, you're using someone else's words. And my husband and I did this early in our marriage, and it really helped because I might read a page and I'd stop and I'd say, hey, like what the author described right there, I feel that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then we could talk about it. Uh, and it began to normalize those kinds of conversations. Oh, that's so good. Uh, so that would, those are two very practical steps that any couple can take. Man, I, I love that. I, I love that. And um, so now you need 11, you need 11 books. <laughs> you need two, two for you guys and, and, and nine to give away. Well, Dr. Julius has been Oh, such a blessing. And we could go for probably another four or five hours, but we don't have that type of time. So what I love to do, I always do is give you the last minute to just wrap up, take it anywhere you want to go. Uh, and just just looking to that that microphone and camera and and give our our listeners 
just whatever message that you would like to leave them with to encourage them uh, to, to really kind of bring forth um, what you desire and what the, really the Lord desires for their life. Yeah, um, my encouragement to you would be um, just to know that God is with you in this. I know for some of you, this is a really painful topic and it represents trauma. It represents betrayal, shame, maybe a pornography addiction. But what I want to tell you is that when we surrender something to God, there's nothing that he can't heal. And healing might be a long journey, but it's so worth it. And God has raised up ministries like the one we have and many others that just can walk alongside you on that healing journey. So take that step, whatever God is putting on your heart, uh, to begin pursuing him for his sake, for his glory, and for your redemption. Oh, thank you so much. Well, go out. God, Sex, and Your Marriage is on Amazon. It's on all the books. Anywhere you find books, it's going to be there. Uh, Dr. Julie Slattery, thank you so much. It's been a blessing. Thank you. What a joy. Thanks for having me on. All right.